All right, everyone, you're listening to the Appetite for Construction podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. And if you've been listening, you'd know that. And I'm my, my astute co-host, Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing? I'm the Robin to his Batman. What's going on, JP? Uh, you know, it's, I was saying to the guys that we're going to bring on in a minute that, uh, it's cold outside and I was out in my shorts yes. <laughs> taking my kids to school and I was hoping my neighbors didn't see me walking around, but, uh, I think isn't, some of them isn't did. That, isn't that such a Chicago thing though? <laughs> yep. Yep. And so, you know, I have very pale white skin and my legs are even whiter if you can imagine that. So it was like, <laughs> it's like, it was just, yeah. Anyway, but I bring that up because it's, you know, we're in the prime part of heating season, right? Like, uh, we are guys are busy. Hydronics guys, boiler installers, service guys are right in the, in the thick of it as the temperature plummets. And what a great opportunity to talk to two gentlemen about heating and the season and their company. What do you, what do you say? Should we bring them on? Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Today, we've got two great guests. First, Domingo Madano is the Vice President and General Manager of Lars Heating Systems. Uh, Domingo's responsibilities encompass the overall operation of Lars, as well as the company's strategic direction and financial results. In addition, Chuck O'Donnell. Chuck is the Director of Marketing for Lars. His responsibilities include product marketing, strategic planning, new product development, pricing, market research, launch planning, and advertising for the New Hampshire-based manufacturer of residential and commercial boilers, water heaters, pool heaters, and storage tanks. Gentlemen, welcome to the Appetite for Construction podcast. Thank you, Tim. Yes, thank you for having us. So real quick, before we get into the meat and potatoes of the podcast, can both of you share a little background and how you got into the industry? Maybe, Domingo, you want to go first? Sure, happy to do that. Uh, so I started uh, in the industry uh, several years ago. It was around 2013. I was uh, in the air conditioning and then refrigeration industry, which ties very well to uh, our industry in uh, um, heating, space heating, water heating. Uh, prior to that, I spent uh, several years with uh, Cummings uh, diesel engine, and uh, I touched several parts uh, of the company, uh, customer service, sales, uh, operations or logistics and so on. So all in all, was that was a good segue into uh, coming into this industry, gave me the business background, and I'm extremely happy to be part of Lars and the Bradford White uh, family now. Yeah, and uh, for me, I've been with uh, Lars now since uh, 2010, so uh, quite a few years now. And prior to that, uh, I was with the uh, Emerson Corporation, but more on their um, process management side. So did a lot with pharmaceutical companies, specialty chemical, um, those type of things with their um, uh, process management uh, um, systems. But then um, there was this opportunity that came up um, with Lars Heating Systems. Uh, it seemed like a great um, place uh, to join. And I, I made the switch over to the boiler world. And as we all know, once you enter, you are here to stay. Remember that movie, The Firm? Wasn't it The Firm? Like you, once you, once you were part of the firm, you could never get. Out. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a great ride since. So seventy-five years, right? Lars has uh, 
celebrating 75 years of, of creating really innovative and, um, really great products in the hydronics industry, boilers, things like that. What, what does that mean? What does that number mean to you, Chuck? Wow. It, it just means stability and being with a, a great group of people. And uh, I guess that's really, really what's, you know, driven Lars for all those years. I can't make it this long in the industry um, without having a good team, uh, you know, around you every day to make it happen. So we are just so thrilled uh, to be the stewards of the company as we hit the 75th year. So very exciting. Yeah. Domingo, is there a secret sauce to the longevity and the success of Lars if over 75 years? What, what a great question, uh, Tim. And there is. I haven't been here very long. I came here uh, at towards the end of last year, uh, end of September of last year. Uh, so over a year. And uh, one thing that you really see see from day one at Lars is, is the environment. Uh, it is like no other here. Um, the secret sauce to answer your question, to me, from what I'm saying, it is twofold. It is people and customer intimacy. Uh, when you walk around the factory, when you're here, you, you see people with purpose. You see people with direction. You see people who want to come in every day, who want to excel and succeed together, and they want to support each other. The other part is uh, is that customer intimacy, and uh, it permeates across the, the whole company. Uh, we spend time with customers, we listen to them, we take care of them, uh, we uh, take what we listen, we uh, what we listen to, we take their feedback, and we translate that into products and services that will support what they need. So I, that's that's been my take on what the secret sauce is. For Lars, and I would say for Brackwell as well, it is the people and that intimacy with the customer that is, that sets us apart from any other company that I've seen. Yeah, you, you mentioned Bradford White. Um, when we go to trade shows and contractors go to trade shows, you see these beautiful booths that Bradford and Bradford White and Lars share together. Um, Chuck, tell me a little bit about how that relationship began and and. and kind of the timeline for that. Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, Lars became a, a, a part of Bradford White in 2005 uh, when mm-hmm. they were acquired from, from the Waterpick Corporation. And um, and since then, it's been just a great um, partnership between, you know, Bradford White, the parent company, and Lars, uh, where we do a lot of things um, in a collaborative fashion. So, um, you know, a lot of our, our work together, uh, marketing wise and also in, um, just development wise, product development and, and in all those different arenas, we, we do these things, uh, uh, in a collaborative fashion. And so that also extends into the trade shows and the booths where we go into, um, into those as one corporate umbrella to just to show our customers the, uh, the product breadth and depth that, uh, Bradford White and Lars can, uh, t- t- can bring to them. Domingo, I'm curious, from your, from your viewpoint, what's driving the resurgence of American manufacturing? I, I would say there are three factors uh, that are uh, driving it. Uh, if, if I enumerate them, it will be a risk mitigation, um, imbalances in supply, demand, and a global economics. Um, so risk mitigation is uh, because People, companies, uh, they want to be uh, self-sufficient. They want to take uh, control of their own destiny. And uh, that is driving to doing that in-house. 
uh, and and at, at home, if you will, right? Uh, imbalances in supply demand, uh, things I would say are stabilizing a little bit after the uh, pandemic, but, but still you want to once again take control and then a global economics where um, countries want to uh, provide uh, good paying jobs for their families. And we're seeing that uh, in the US. So that, that would be my assessment of uh, why jobs are coming back home. So Domingo, you alluded to this when Tim asked you about the secret sauce of Lars, and it's often been said that behind every successful company is its people. So can you, can you elaborate more upon that? Like talk about the company culture and the people that drive Lars. Absolutely young. So look, as soon as you step in the door here, you, you feel it, you feel the culture. It, it, it is different. People are energized. Uh, you walk the factory, you walk the offices, and you can see that people are happy to be here. We have uh, employees that have been with the company for more than 35 years. We have uh, multiple family generations uh, in the company. We, we have a referral program, and a lot of the referrals that come in are employees uh, uh, referring their friends and family members. There is a collaborative work environment. People want uh, to work here. They want to be here. And it, I think it also carries to the uh, the foundation uh, of, uh, of the company that goes for both Lars and Bradford White. And, and there, are, there are three pillars there. Uh, it would be integrity, transparency, and empathy. And if you really think those through, with integrity comes doing the right thing, doing what you said you were going to do, and it drives accountability. With a transparency, you get the benefit of no hidden agendas. And I, I've seen that from day one. People here are genuine. They, they want uh, to help each other. And with empathy comes understanding and putting yourself in the other person's uh, shoes. So it drives for a very, it drives a very collaborative and, uh, and people feel empowered to be here. Um, we also mm, make sure that we communicate a lot. Um, and that we make an impact in the communities where we live. So uh, examples of communication, we have all hands meetings uh, on a regular basis, and we're very open with our employees. Even though we're a private company, we share quite a bit. We do uh, focus groups with smaller groups with uh, 10 to 12 people, and those are cross-functional. We listen to uh, to our employees, what's in their minds, what is the good, what is the bad, and what is the, what is the ugly of uh, working here, and we take action on what we listen to. Um, so it, it's, we're very close, very, very intimate with our customers, as I said, but I think also with our employees. And then on community involvement, uh, we support several organizations in the area financially, but we also take the time and make the effort to, to be there in person. I'll give you an example. There is a school nearby in our Rochester facility in Rochester, New Hampshire. Uh, there is a, it's a school for kids with special needs. And we spent a couple of days there painting their gym and then uh, also painting their uh, playground outside. So we, we make, we want to make an impact and engage, involve our people. So, um, what I really want to see here is to continue to promote uh, the culture that we already have, which I think is phenomenal and also, uh, continuous improvement to bring the company uh, to even uh, better levels of performance. Yep. So I, I I think they're the Clint Eastwood of, of boilers. I heard the good, bad, and the ugly, and it brought me back to the 70s with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> um, go ahead. Well, Chuck, I was, 
Chuck, I was going to ask you, because you, you and I have talked many times at trade shows and uh, Domingo brought up customer intimacy. You and I have talked about VOC, voice of customer, in previous discussions at trade shows. Can you expand on what that is and how important that VOC is to the brand? Yeah, great question. And, you know, that's really the lifeblood of uh, kind of knowing how you're doing as a company and and giving you direction as to uh, where to go next. Um, we use many different ways of getting um, information back, you know, from our customers, uh, whether it's surveys that we send out or, or holding formal voice of the customer um you know, sessions here at, at the Lars facility or even doing them out, uh, out in the field, um, you know, visiting contractors, uh, seeing how installations go, um, and gaining feedback there. And really w- what I love to have happen during these sessions is, is it turns more conversational. And then it becomes idea sharing. So it's more than just a transactional exchange of some information, but you're really sitting together and talking about, um, you know, it could be anything from struggles and in field installations and what can we do to solve those to, to new product ideas or, or services or whatever we can um, offer. But um, to get those ideas flowing back and forth um, so that we can uh, learn from each other and grow um, you know, kind of, uh, as a team, uh, some of the, the ones I really like to do are, um, uh, when the new products are being developed and we say we'll have a, um, service review. So that's when we'll have, um, contractors come in and also our own uh, regional service team come in and take a look at what we're doing with the product. Um, and so a lot of times when a product's being developed, it's looked at more for, technology and making it work properly and meeting regulatory requi- regulatory requirements. But then now, how is it going to be used in the field? Um, and so we bring folks in and we, 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 we go through the unit and you get some great feedback during those sessions. And then we'll make adjustments. You know, we'll add access panels on the side so the service guys can get in um, easier uh, and things like that. So that's just one example of, um, of, of kind of getting that feedback and sharing ideas. You really can't go online or open a trade publication or, you know, social media without seeing words like heat pumps and electrification and gas bands. And I'm just I'm just wondering, as a company, Lars, that, you know, a lot of its success, its success is built on gas fired and oil fired boiler. How do you adapt to this? So we, we just see that, uh, gas boilers, uh, gas fired equipment, uh, will, will be around for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. We, we don't mm-hmm. foresee it going, um, away at all. What we also see is that uh, driven by regulation, uh, things are changing in the industry and we have to respond to that. So what mm-hmm. we do is, uh, uh, we will always be compliant. There is no doubt about that. And we'll also listen to the voice of the customer. So, and sometimes the two don't go very well together. So how, how do we balance uh, those two and uh, make products uh, that are going to be uh, legal to be installed in the, in the marketplace, but also uh, take care of our, our customers? We see uh, three markets that are key uh, with the new regulation and things changing. One is the, the Pacific Northwest. The other one is California and the other one is in New York City. So we have our ears to the ground there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are also seeing a lot of uh, specifying engineers driving demand 
for uh, for yeah. heat pumps. Mm -hmm. um, in, in our case, we have uh, decided to enter the market with our e-therm, which is a larger CO2 uh, 95 uh, kilowatt uh, heat pump. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So tell me more about the the e-therm commercial heat pump. Um, is is this on the market yet? Yeah, so our Ethern, we are selling um, the Ethern. Um, we have uh, a lot of interest through engineering firms, uh, you know, as Domingo said, along the West Coast and New York and some other metropolitan areas where, you know, the, um, the push for electrification is happening. Uh, so there's a lot of interest there. Um, and we're also working, um, you know, towards bringing other sizes of the heat pump out as mm -hmm. well to make it a family uh, heat pump. So, that is our first, you know, foray into the um, <clears throat> the heat pump world. Um, but to go along with that, we we've had electric products for 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 quite some time. So we have, you know, our commercial electric boilers, our large commercial um, electric water heaters, uh, and then recently we added um, commercial uh, tankless uh, electric water heaters. And all of these can be used together uh, in these installations, um, and that's kind of one of the the things that we got from some of the feedback, um, it's not just the heat pump that you need in these commercial installations. You need the storage tanks that go with it. You need the electric water heaters that can keep the distribution loop warm. Uh, and we have all those things here at Lars. And so what we're bringing forth, um, you know, uh, through this electrification uh, kind of, I guess, transition that we're going through um, are kind of complete solution sets. And you can even add in our tankless uh, electric water heater. It's kind of like a valued engineered solution. So say you, you need three or maybe even four large um, heat pumps at a, at a big hotel or, or a very large multifamily building. You know, one of those heat pumps only gets used a couple weeks a year. Um, yeah. when it's at the extreme cold. So maybe you can take one of those out and put the Lars tankless uh, in there along with the other heat pumps. So you get 98% of the benefit of the heat pumps, but we can save a little on the installation costs. So, you know, when we look at electrification, um, there's many different ways to to solve the um, the different applications out there. And that's been our approach so far um, uh, with our products and how we've introduced them and what we're introducing next. So your your business associate Bruce Carnival, a good friend of ours, Tim. I was laughing. You said Bruce, and I'm just thinking where the direction of this question's going with all oh. the discussions we've had with Bruce lately. Oh yeah, well you know he <laughs> he's a good friend of ours, and he says, John, you wouldn't believe this, but every day I wake up and there's 15 to 20 emails about regulations or some proposed regulation in the industry. Some of it directly relates to what we're doing and some of it doesn't but it's like <laughs> he's like you know i think they just wake up and they they have to have like a certain you know uh quota of emails to send out to satisfy the the powers that be in the government but i mean let's talk about that you know how is lars active in that landscape of governmental regulations I'll tell you, Bruce is not lying or exaggerating on that one. <laughs> it, it is a lot of change, a lot of change happening now at federal, state, municipal levels, um, all across the U.S., Canada, and, and elsewhere. So we do have a, a team of people that uh, are government and regulatory affairs folks that keep track 
of everything that is that is going on and we participate you know actively participate where where it makes sense um and really try to shape um how some of these are written um not in the sense of of the legalities within the the regulatory um you know uh-huh. makeup of it but more so how it's implemented um so there's ways you can implement things that are very burdensome to manufacturers and there are ways you can implement that aren't so burdensome to fat manufacturers and maybe even also the, those installing the units. Um, so we try to, um, you know, work with, with, um, agencies in that respect. And, you know, we're involved with AHRI technical committees and, mm-hmm. and all of those things. But yes, it is, it is amazing how many, uh, new changes are happening in that front. Um, across, across the country. You know, we, we don't want to get too political on the podcast, but I mean, I almost see like if there's a change in, you know, during the election process, things might just turn a completely different direction. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, it's a fair statement. And, and that's another thing that's challenging for, uh, for manufacturers is, is not always knowing which direction yeah. things will be going in. Yeah, exactly. Well, manufacturing in general is not very nimble. You can't just change overnight. I mean, these are big moving ships that take a long time. So, you know, for flexibility is not not a strong component of a lot of American manufacturing, I would think. I agree, but we have to adapt, right? Mm, yeah. uh, and, and we will have to be nimble. We'll have to uh, set ourselves up to uh, fulfill the uh, the new demands. And we are doing a lot of that at the factory uh, here in Rochester, where uh, the, our factory master plan calls for a lot of change. Uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, uh, movement uh, from standard efficiency product uh, to high efficiency product, and, and we're adapting. It's, it, it's becoming the new normal. Domingo, Chuck was talking earlier about all the technologies and, and new products that have come along over the last couple of years, and there are upstream from now. So one of the components of any of these new technologies is training. Contractors need to be trained on new product. So what's Lars doing to invest in training for contractors? So one thing that we've done is uh, a few years ago, and that was uh, post uh, the uh, Bradford White acquisition of Lars, we built a training center that is on site. Uh, so we have a very large room that can be divided into uh, two, depending on the size of the uh, group that we're training. Uh, we have uh, contractors here on a regular basis. Sometimes we have two sessions going at the same time. And we also have the ability to uh, live fire equipment during the training. So the training is uh, part is a classroom setup, but part is uh, hands-on. We also have a, uh, a trailer that we uh, tour around and we go on site to our distributors, our contractors, our reps, and we will do some of the training on site or we will, uh, without the trailer, we'll have our sales and training personnel go on site to different locations. Yeah, you know, we, t- we talked about heat pumps and electrification. Are, are you, as a manufacturer, are you seeing a lot of demand from either contractors or consumers? Or is this pushed at like a higher level at the government level? I would say we are seeing it uh, more um, coming from regulation than mm. customers uh, truly asking for it. 
Because I mean, we talk to contractors a lot on this podcast, and like you mentioned before, there's a freedom of choice. It just seems kind of counterproductive or um, to have one, you know, everything has to be electric and you have to get rid of, you know, a choice of, of a, you know, a fuel source. It just, I don't think we're there yet. And I don't think, I don't think the, you know, the infrastructure is there yet. There's a lot of factors involved, but um, I, I was just curious as to the demand on a contractor or consumer level. If you haven't heard, Navian's new NPF Hydro Furnace is on the market, and they're offering an unbelievable incentive to try it. This new furnace from Navian is 97% AFUE Ultra Low NOx, and has an industry-leading variable capacity ranging from 15 to 100%. Right now, contractors can get a $1,000 gift card when they go to NavianFurnace.com and submit their first NPF purchase info. Again, that's a $1,000 gift card. NPF purchases must be made between January 22nd and April 15th, 2024, and submitted through the form at NavianFurnace.com by April 20th, 2024. See full promotion details at NavianFurnace.com. Don't miss out on this great promotion. I would say less than what the regulation is driving, but mm. our position is we need to prepare and be ready for it. Well, speaking of all these new technologies, and I mentioned earlier, you know, what, what's, what's going on in the future, but what's on the horizon for Lars? We feel that uh, uh, my predecessor has, uh, and with help from Chuck and engineering, has done a really good job at uh, positioning the product for the future from a uh, product uh, standpoint. And uh, there is more to come. We're going to continue expanding our product offering, uh, but we're also going to bank on uh, organic growth. We're going to leverage uh, our current channel, our product uh, catalog, we're putting a lot of emphasis in uh, operations excellence. Uh, we have integrated, uh, we have implemented uh, several uh, processes to uh, make sure that we are attuned to product management, uh, to demand, and uh, we align our supply to make sure we fulfill all that. We call it integrated business planning. We're doing a lot of work around uh, lean in the factory, um, and there are many ways to do lean. You can do it to the people, you can do it with the people, and with chosen and uh, we are very emphatic about doing it with the people uh, getting the ideas from the people who are working in the factory and translating those into uh, results uh, and going along with uh, what the feedback is to make it happen another key is uh, product availability um, we are in a good position we have a product ready to ship uh, short lead times so all that enhances the business we're also, and I'm going to give you a hint, hint, working on some exciting acquisitions. Uh, hopefully, we'll be uh, here in a few months, and we can talk in more detail about those. So you're welcome to come see us here, and we'll give you more details once uh, those things uh, become uh, public information. <laughs> we would definitely love to do that, for sure. Um, and you guys will be talk at AHR it. in late January, of course, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, we've talked about we've talked about going to New Hampshire a couple times in the past with Chuck. Yeah, you are definitely always welcome. 
if you like skiing, then you can definitely come up during the cold weather. But uh, if not, then maybe once the uh, once the flowers start to bloom again. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'll, I'll leave skiing for my wife. I am not a skier, I Unless I can sit at the bottom of the hill and drink a hot toddy. <laughs> There's always that. Too. <laughs> we can accommodate both. <laughs> yeah, we were planning to come. I think a little thing called COVID got in the way of. Yeah, COVID hit. Of that, but. Um, well, congrats on 75 years. Uh, I would ask, like, you know, are there specific things that you can recall or, you know, stepping stones over those 75 years that kind of helped build the success to the company? I think a good story is just really how it started. Um, mm. It's amazing. It was uh, one individual who, um, you know, his name was Abby Miller, and uh, his passion was with, um, you know, heat transfer and all things like that. But then, um, you know, World War II broke out. And he actually was tasked with um, turning his factory over. Uh, the factory he worked at wasn't his, but he turned that into one that made shell casings and other mm -hmm. you know, military um, needed equipment uh, for the war effort. And then when the war ended, he went back to his passion of, of heat transfer and, and he formed his own company called Lars Engineering, which was you know, a sole proprietorship of just himself. And he came up with all these different ideas and you know, to make a long story short, he did a bunch of testing with copper fin tubing and and came up with this nice water heater boiler design. And he leveraged that um, over the years in Southern California, making pool heaters, volume water heaters, boilers. And and he really grew that company, you know, from the late 40s and through the 50s, hiring a lot of people and just um, and doing all the things that we talked about. You know, I read through some historic um documents we have here and it was all the same things you know stories about him going out to a customer site to help the person out and learn from them and rolling that back into the next product line so um you know and then he grew the business and and, and sold it you know years later um to teledyne and you know the rest is history from there but i just really love that story about that single man yeah you know, the american success story putting a bunch of his own money up front on his idea and, and just making it happen his name was Abby Miller, you said? Yeah, Abby. Yep, Abby. Abby, okay. Yep. Wow, that is a cool story, yep. for sure. I, I will add to that, uh, and that, that is that is a great segue and a huge part of the history of Lars uh, from the, its origins. Uh, but since the acquisition from uh, Bradford White in 2005, the, the company has been treated treated differently than previous owners. So mm -hmm. the company moved from being a cash cow and just extracting cash from it from, to invested, investing in it. And that's what, that's what Bradford White has done since 2005. Um, and another benefit is that uh, Bradford White has a great culture. Lars has a great culture and we are, we have a blend of the two, which is, is phenomenal. And I, I spoke to that a few minutes ago. Um, and, since 2005, we've seen investments in engineering, manufacturing, distribution, and sales resources by adding personnel. But we also added uh, a warehouse for receiving and uh, for uh, materials and components. We added the training center that I mentioned earlier. We have a research and design center now. We added a distribution center in a separate building. Uh, we added capabilities for metal fabrication, welding, tube cutting, etc. And uh, most recently, we also bought additional land that sits across the street from us for future expansion. So that's been a huge, uh, uh, those are huge milestones on getting the company ready for future success. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tim, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about all the ingredients that go in to make a perfect old fashioned, the drink, the old fashioned. <laughs> Sounds like you guys have the perfect ingredients to make, a, you know, another 75 years successful at Lars. Yeah. Well, we sure hope so and think we do. <laughs> I, I will it. toast to that. <laughs> uh, real quick, you know, just a, on a personal note, what do you, you guys are up in, in New Hampshire, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, we mentioned skiing, Dan. What do you guys like to do for fun when you're not working and you're not? <laughs> I know it's you know when you're not working. When is that? But what what do you what do you guys like to do when you're when you're just hanging out with family or just you know? So I'll, I'll go first. Talk uh, in sure. this. I'm new to the area, but the area is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You have lakes. Uh, you have a very large lake uh, within 30 minutes. You have uh, smaller lakes everywhere. You have uh, the seacoast, uh, uh, 10 minutes uh, from from the area. You have hiking. You have skiing. Uh, it, it is the, the area has a lot of opportunities to to have fun. And uh, for my family, we're totally outdoorsy, so we do a lot yeah. of hiking, biking. Uh, I like to keep the family outside and active, and this area offers plenty of opportunities for that. Yeah, our family's outdoor family too. So we, we definitely enjoy doing, um, doing a lot of those things. And, you know, you toss in the ice skating in the winter, skiing, snowshoeing, all that good stuff. Summertime has a lot of outdoor activities. Obviously, <laughs> sounds like all Tim's activities outdoors <laughs> in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd much rather talk to Domingo about Spain, my favorite country in the world, <laughs> other than the U.S. I, I, I love Spain. So we could, we could talk endlessly about Spain, but no. Cold weather, cold winter activities are not my thing. Come visit. We'll have the old fashioned that you will, you were talking about and we'll share ex- stories. We have uh, plenty of them. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, thanks guys for jumping on and, and, and kind of sharing the stories of, of Lars. And, and it's just been, it's been fun, fun 30 minutes. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Great time. This appetite for construction podcast is brought to you in part by Perk the Propane Education and Research Council. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially construction pros. It's a single clean energy source that can meet your project's performance, safety, and resilience goals, while maintaining efficiency and lowering costs. See how propane can help meet your project's needs by visiting propane.com now. Propane, it's the energy for everyone.